American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 America. Good to see you all today. It's the American Awakening Squad from around the country (laughs) coming to you with our daily Signs of Life. Uh, We bring to you the best of church experience, bringing faith and hope and life every day. The worlds of food and film and community, and and someday again, we'll get to talk about sports and all that. Not not these days, because there's no sports being played, of course. But uh, first, we're going to kick it over to our friend Josh Jacob to play us in. Josh, really appreciate that. Thank you for bringing that to us, brother. As uh, some of you know, now all of you will know, we've got a very special guest on the Nashville feed today. We've got Sarah Groves, a special, special, special musician. 
a lot of you out there are big fans of hers. We know that. We're big fans here, too, in the American Awakening Signs of Life program. So we're really looking forward to, to Dan and Sarah in a little bit. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to hit one of the topics we like to hit every single day, which is that in this time of awful, and yes, it is awful out there, guys. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. Uh, we know it's bad, and we're not glib about that. We know that there's pain, suffering, uh, sickness, death, unemployment, and, and all the challenges that come with that. But in that moment, and the moment that you're in right now, God loves you. You're made for meaning and purpose. You're you are made, you're forged for this moment. Whatever adversity you're going through, uh, God's big enough for that, and God's going to bring you through that. And you're going to come through this, and you're going to emerge into a whole new space um, as a consequence of all this. And that's the biggest reason that we bring this band of folks together from around the country. Every day, we come together to rally with the Word of God for each one of you. We get together on, on a prayer line every single day and pray for you, not knowing exactly what your needs are, but knowing we're appealing to a God that does know what your needs are on your behalf. Um, so we're so grateful you're here with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to Pastor Joel Searby. Pastor Joel, what do you have for us today, friend? Hey, everybody. So every day we bring you what we call our daily dose. It's just a little bit of hope and light and truth and goodness for your day. If you want that in your inbox every day, you can sign up on AmericanAwakening.us slash daily dose. Sign up there. You get it in your email inbox, a little bit longer version than what we do here on the show. You know, this week we're focusing in our daily dose on the spiritual disciplines. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. We're kind of letting Richard Foster's classic book, The Celebration of Discipline, here it is right there, kind of letting that guide us uh, this week. And today we're going to talk about the inward disciplines. Uh, those are, as Foster lays them out, meditation, fasting, prayer, and study. And the reason we're focusing here is because there's been a lot of conversation about making new routines and rhythms during this time. But it's really important that we have the right routines and rhythms, and we want to help you maybe give you some things that'll spur on some ideas. We want to encourage you to go deeper on those inner uh, disciplines. And just remember, too, as Foster says, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing by themselves. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. They are a means of God's grace. So remember that it's not about earning it or getting it all right. It's about opening ourselves up and preparing the way for God to do stuff in us. Today, I want to talk just real briefly about fasting. Okay, so we all know that when we put garbage in our bodies, it affects us. If I eat Doritos and honey buns and pizza, and then I wash it down with a delicious cold beer, it's going to be nice for like a hot minute, and then I'm going to be really sorry later. And I may or may not be speaking from experience on this. There's something about what we bring into our bodies that affects not only our physical our, uh, side of things, but also can affect our emotions. And right now, as we're trying to really make sure that everything about our life that we can have an influence on is, is whole and healthy, we need to be thinking about that. But it's beyond just the things that we eat. We know that we put things into our minds and our souls that just don't bring us life. They make us sluggish and unhealthy, depressed, and if unchecked, they can kill us. And so I want us to think as we think about this idea of fasting or abstaining from something, there is a purpose behind this, and it's not just to be healthier. My friend and my pastor, Mike Patz, has a quote that I love about fasting. He says, fasting is not about twisting God's arm to get what we want, but about untwisting our souls so we can hear what God wants for us. And that's good. God desires our peace, our wholeness, our joy. And so when we are abstaining from something— 
we're saying, I'm going to hold that aside. I'm not going to do that. But we're asking, God, untwist my soul. Help me to get more of you, to be filled with you. Jesus said that we don't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. We live on the, the actual heartbeat, the words that God speaks to us. And those words are life and light and hope and love. And so as we wrestle with new rhythms during coronavirus and quarantines, I want to encourage you today. Maybe it's a time when you can abstain from something to get more of who God is in your life, that he would be our daily bread. And that's our prayer, and that's your daily dose. Back to you, John. Amen. Thank you, Joel. That is a good word. Uh, but I hate that abstaining idea. I really do. Um, <laughs> it's not fun. We know there's something bigger and better beyond the the thing that we're you know, investing ourselves in right now, but that's it's not easy. At least it's not easy for me. I'll, I'll, I'll confess that right out. Uh, so we're going to kick it over to Jeff now. Um, over to you, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much. Um, okay, something to chew on. You know, if you've been watching the show and listening to the show, I'll bring random studies, random books, stuff like that. And then more rarely, every once in a while, I'll bring kind of something to chew on from the scriptures. And that's what I was thinking about today. So maybe this can be a double daily dose. Um, and I'll leave you with a question. But some context, I want to talk about Luke 24. I think one of the weirdest stories in all of scripture, but no one ever talks about the weirdness. Um, now I'll try to summarize it in just a couple minutes to get to the point. Luke 24, Jesus had died, then he'd resurrected. And then it says he comes next to these two guys, right? Now, these two guys don't recognize him. You know, I don't know if they hadn't certainly been up close with him or whatever, but they don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus kind of asked these guys, like, hey, why are you bummed out? He could tell they were kind of sad and, and down. He says, why are you guys bummed out? And they basically say, like, they kind of rebuke Jesus, which is never a good idea, by the way. And they said, like, were you not paying attention? Did you not see that basically the guy we followed for three years was crucified under the Roman Empire? Because back then, we have to always remind ourselves, in the first century, any leader that died on a you know Roman crucifixion device was a loss. That was a fail. That was a failed experiment. It was not clearly the guy that was going to save the day, at least from that worldview. And so that's what they were saying. And then Jesus, it actually says, rebukes them back, which is a good idea, and says, you know, it says he it says he actually began from the law to the prophets, which is just a euphemism for saying the whole Bible, because they didn't have a New Testament then. The law is the first five books. The prophets is basically everything else outside of wisdom literature. So it basically says Jesus. After they say that, Jesus goes to the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and says this was supposed to happen the whole time. Kind of actually said, guys, have you not been reading your Bible? He was actually, like, the Messiah was actually supposed to go that route. The Messiah was supposed to die. And it says he begins from the law to the prophets, unpacking the entire scriptures to them. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus physically resurrected, showed up next to me face-to-face -face, and unpacked the entire Bible to me, I feel like that would be the most angelic, insane inception moment of all time, right? Like uppercase word, unpacking the lowercase word. Christopher Nolan would have a feast with that one. But he, he does that, and you would think just the heavens would open up and the glory would shine down and all that, that Jesus himself is basically a Bible study partner to these guys in that minute. But if you're familiar with the story, nothing happens. Like there's no revelation, there's no angels, there's no singing, there's no eyes opening, there's nothing. The next line actually, it's, it's so strange. The next line literally just jumps to later that day. It says Jesus unpacks the scriptures and then it just says, and later that day they were walking to the house and they asked Jesus to stay for a meal when they got to their house. And this word even gets weirder. It says Jesus comes into the house, says he sits down, says he breaks bread. And then in an instant, it says their eyes were opened. And I'm like, that's the strangest story I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so first act of the play. Jesus unpacks the scriptures, gives them all the facts, all the theology, all the answers. Nothing happens. Jesus breaks the Chipotle in half and then, ah, oh, the heavens open up, right? Which I don't know about you, but that's fair with Chipotle. <laughs> you know, I'll pay for that guac extra any day. But what I think that's actually going on there and what I think Luke's trying to actually get us to say and see 
is those are the two tracks of kind of following Jesus, kind of the wrong way or our way, which tends to be wrong. And then Jesus's vision for how he wants to be in relationship with us, which is that second act. And what I mean by that, and this is something to chew on, is a lot of us, we wish we were that first one, right? We wish if Jesus could just show us up in the room, if God could just show up in the room, give us all the answers, give us all the facts, then maybe, you know, we'll be good to go. And maybe we'll have all the security and peace and, you know, answers we want. But Jesus says, that's not the way I actually want to relate to you. He says, I don't want to just give you all the facts in a disembodied way. The real way he actually wants us to follow him is by sitting at the table with him, communing with him, dining with him, eating with him, feasting with him. And that's why Jesus, when he talks about the kingdom, always uses meal analogies. It's a feast, it's a wedding, it's a party, it's a dining experience, because that is such a beautiful metaphor for the relationship he wants. And so that's something to chew on today. Are you just trying to get all the right answers from Jesus if you follow him? Or do you try to actually sit at the table with Jesus? Because they're two separate things, and one produces an entirely different depth and amount of fruits of the spirit of grace, of tenderness, of gentleness, when you're sitting at the table with him in relationship. So that's something to chew on for today. Back to you guys. Jeff, uh, thank you so much. I don't know about the rest of you out there, but I know you had me at guacamole um, and extra chipotle (laughs) guac. I was right there, and then I focused in like a laser beam from there. (laughs) And uh, that uh, that I... I'm glad that's where I picked you up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Breaking the chipotle in half. Yep, yep, yep. It was all confusing up to that moment, but then I had (laughs) you. Then that was your epiphany on the road to America. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's such a good word. And, and, And... and I, you know, especially in this time when things are so dark and we're challenged so much to know that ultimately, ultimately there's a feast that's going to be our destiny. We're going to be there at that feast and, and all the things that are afflicting us right now, all the troubles we experience, they're all going to go away. And we're going to be at that feast together, not only, uh, you know, with your best friends and the best loved ones and all that sort of thing, but also, you know, with all the people of of great difference and all the things that they bring to it and how special that's going to be. Thank you for that good word, Jeff. I so appreciate that. Let me uh, ask you a question, Marissa. We normally would go to, wow, so that's happening, and we tell some stories and all that. Calvin, Calvin, whose responsibility (laughs) it is to handle that, he seems to be saying, no, not today. Pitch that ball, John. All right, no foisting. All right. No fear. All right, You're so foisting on me. I love it. Seems like we've taken a vote as a group, and we're gonna we're gonna skip the, the, the today's stories and the wow. So that's happening. I want to go straight to our friend Marissa, who always uh, talk about feasts. She is always serving up the tenderest morsels of good discussion Ooh. topics. <laughs> What a phrase. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Well, thank you. some tender morsels, Marissa. I know, the tender morsels. Thank you. Yeah, no. So again, the conversation today, and it was going to flow very nicely from uh, from the headlines, but we can take it anyway. Um, basically, everywhere around us now, uh, we're seeing a lot of the power of us, people coming together in this moment. You know, we did a story last week about scientists around the world who are coming together, again, in the fight to come up with the antidote for Corona. Um, We are hearing about researchers and analysts and even everyday people who now on Facebook are coming together. Stay stay tuned for that story, I'm sure, tomorrow. But people who are coming together um, like never before to try to take out Corona before it takes the rest of us out. And for at least as long as the pandemic is here, it seems like we've found some sort of shared purpose. 
Now, every day on the show, uh, when we tune in, when you guys join us, uh, John always reminds you that we all have purpose and our lives have meaning. And we on this show, we in American Awakening, we're very familiar with that. We talk about it all the time. It's part of who we are. But I know that that's actually a foreign concept for some people. Some people have never thought about their lives having purpose and that there's meaning and that there's a reason why they're here right now. And so whether you've known it for a while or whether you're struggling to understand it now, I think it's important that we start to talk about purpose. Again, what is a given for so many of us, um, I think we should sit with it. I think we should walk with each other through it. And so our question for the day is really to all of you guys, to everybody out there, what has been the road to you understanding your own personal sense of purpose? How have you recognized it when you might be standing dead center in the middle of it? And what have you learned from some times when maybe you might've gotten it wrong? Again, air quotes wrong, but purpose, how did you find it? How did you come to it? What was the road and how have you experienced it? While other folks are, are thinking about their answers to that, I, I won't answer it dead on, but I'm going to offer the following, which is one of the great things about the fact that God made each one of us in his image, uh, collectively, we're all made in his image, is that uh, you're a slice of God, the eternal God. You've got a slice of eternal God in you. And what that means is that whether you even know it or not, whether you even you, you, you internalize you got purpose or not, it still is true. Now, it's really nice to know it, and that's why we're going to remind you of it every day as we're going to talk about it here. But what's great about it is that it's true even if you're not internalizing it, even if you don't even get that yet. God's got you in a spot where you are right now, and and, and it's, it's on purpose, and you're made with purpose. Um, now over to the rest of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to wave my magic wand. I'm going to point it at somebody. Calvin. <laughs> Boom. Okay. I mean, since I didn't get to share the headlines, yeah. I'm happy to <laughs> happy to run with the ball. Yeah, I think from my experience that uh, I think the first thing I think of, and perhaps this is especially relevant to right now when so many people are in pain and suffering, is, is what is your experience set? As John was saying, if everything was on purpose, if even the hard times to to the good times, but if everything had meaning and was intentional, then then I, I I do believe that all of it is supposed to build up to something that where you alone you uniquely can offer the world. So I think when I I feel about my understanding to purpose personally, I think one thing is you know I've I made a certain degree of mistakes and had this kind of long long journey up to this point, but has led me to end up experiencing a bunch of different spaces that I don't think I would, you know, particularly I think of my college experience. Um, I, I went to a school called Colby College, which is a small liberal arts school in Maine. But then I also ended up going to a school called UMass Boston. So again, two very different experiences, one being a, a private small liberal arts school to one being a state school where a large segment of the community was, you know, either the first person in their family um, to, to go to college or to, they were commuting every day. And so that, that even that, to, to kind of to flow between and, and kind of understand two very different experiences, I think that has been something even now as I'm continuing to process of what what is my purpose? How am I supposed to, to lean in and be of service to other people? It's, I think, when I look at my experiences, things that are, are unique to me, I think there's there's nuggets there, morsels there of that should ultimately lead you back to, hey, Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do here now in this moment. Mm. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in and say uh, we're gonna have to get into Calvin's story a little bit more sometime. We'll give you a little more running room. But Calvin's story is give him a dedicated episode. 
Amazing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm looking forward to scheduling that one. Calvin's an amazing story. And, and as he, as he said in, in subtler terms there, but you know, a lot of mistakes were made and a lot of, a lot of pain experienced, um, not only for himself, but the, the people around him, but, but it brought him someplace profound. And, and those of us who have lived life with uh, Calvin for any period of time, a, a, you know, an hour a day a week, and for me a couple of years now, know that it's it's produced amazing fruits of, of him uh, dialing in on who it is that God made him to be. So more to come on the, the big Calvin Lee story. Thanks, That's right. brother. Appreciate Dedicated that. Dedicated episode next week. Let's do it. Oh, hold on. Hold on now. <laughs> right. Jeff, Jeff, what do you have? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved what Calvin said. I think that just was right at the center of it. I think one helpful thing that's always helpful for me uh, that I tell people too, because that is a, you know, purpose calling. Those are big questions. A lot of people ask those. How do you find it? How can you encourage people in it? I think it was a, a Frederick Beekner quote where he basically said the the convergence or basically where where your deep gladness and where the world's deep need or hunger meet, that's the spot of purpose and that's the spot of calling. And I think that's just a really helpful framework. Uh, and then I think we can all look back on our life when we've stepped into a place of fulfillment and purpose and meaning and go, oh yeah, that made me deeply glad. That felt like I was kind of like on fire and running on all cylinders with how I'm made to be, while also not using that as in a self-absorbed way, while actually using that poured out for others, pouring out to meet a need, pouring out to um, serve one another. And I think I love that because I think I don't think you can find your true purpose or calling outside of using it in service. I think it's a false calling. It's a pseudo calling. It's a distorted, self-absorbed calling if it's not, if, if it bends back in on yourself. Um, and so I just think that's a really helpful reminder that I look back on my life and say, man, the places where I've been mostly, and it's funny because that's the trick and the temptation, right? Where you, is where it's to not believe that, is to believe like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for myself or whatever. Uh, and you're never, you never immediately want to serve people. But when you do jump into that and we look backwards on that, a lot of us say, oh yeah, that was actually some of the most meaningful, purposeful, impactful times of my life. So I just think that's a helpful uh, way to think about it and a convergence of where your deep gladness and where you're wired to be converge with hunger and need in the world. The, the reason I show up every day here to do this show uh, is because I get to hear some of the all-time greats dropped here, uh, Richard Foster. Frederick Buechner, thank you, man. Bringing Frederick Buechner out there, I love that stuff. I love that stuff, and that is a great, a great line. And I, I think you know, in my in my life experience, it's it's one hundred percent on that. Um, you know, it it is not about you. It's not ultimately about you. God made you special and precious and all that, but it's about you fitting into the whole. And that's what that's where Buechner's story is. There's there's a, totally. there's a need out there. There's a need. Out there. It's it's. That it's not about you is the bit about the fact that we all need you to be you, um, because that's the, yeah, that's, that's what's right. additive, right? And that's what Beekner's mm-hmm. speaking to you. You slot in some important way. That's why um, I'll, I'll say one other thing: why it's such, such a tragedy, you know, when, when when people fall into deep despairs that may lead to you know suicide or, or deaths of despair or whatever. One of the things so so important about that is is not only is it a tragic loss for that person you you want the the goodness and blessing of that person of course, but the rest of us are losing something too. That whoever you are, you know whatever that person's experience is, if they're going down that path and are off in the ditch, then we need you back in the we need you back on the road. We 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 all need you when, when we lose one person to despair, addiction, um, suicide, whatever. The rest of us are losing something as well, um, so it's a sort of it's a, it's a selfish need. We, we care deeply about you, but you know all the rest of us need you too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I, good word. Can I jump in there, Marissa? Go ahead. So you know, I think 
a little bit of a nod to you and you're, you're the foodie, Marissa, the idea that what Jeff said is definitely true about our gladness and the need of the world. I think there, this is a bit of a recipe though, right? This is a bit of a, a, I don't know if it's a delicious stew or what it is, but there's a piece then in there that's actually not your immediate joy because of the other element that Jeff talked about, that John talked about of, of the self-sacrifice. So in my life, in terms of finding purpose and calling, there's been a, a heavy element of like, me pushing back against it because oftentimes it's not what my initial kind of like flesh and ego wants because I want X over here, but what God really has me wired for is actually over here. And so there is a wrestling. Um, and so sometimes I think you can find your purpose by saying like, what is something that people keep asking me to do or people keep drawing me into? And I keep pushing back because it's not what I want. And then the joy comes when you actually kind of relinquish the control and say, all right, this is actually how I'm wired. And then the joy starts filling in those gaps uh, where you thought you were actually giving something up, you're actually getting something. Yeah, so good. That's so true. Hey, Marissa, back to you, Marissa, and, and, and the sense of uh, gladness and, and uh, meeting the world's need and, and your, your, your vision to start this, this uh, live stream and podcast. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, um, one of the things that I've learned over time is that God operates in seasons, right? I mean, we understand seasons and weather and spring and summer and all of that, but also different seasons of your life. And I have been, uh, I've been intrigued to find out that purpose can be again a lifetime sort of thing. It can also be um, seasonal, in terms of you know, Lord, I'm in this place. I'm in this season right now. Uh, like right now, where we are. I didn't know we'd be here. I'm not quite sure how things are supposed to be. How am I supposed to shift the way I, I do things, the, when I see my family, how I relate to people, all of that. But in this moment, Lord, how have you made me? What have you presented before me? And what are you asking me to do? And when I realized that I think, you know, again, God is a God of big lifetimes and generations, and he's also a God of the moments, you know, Lord, I think he is very interested. God's very interested in giving us direction and purpose in our moments, in the in the minutes right now. And uh, people who know me know I've just sort of developed this kind of mantra over the last few years um, about like who I am and how I'm going to carry myself. I've got like three things, like I've got to be in my own clothes doing what I do well on behalf of things that matter. And like that to me has just Ooh, been a very, <laughs> it's been like a very simple uh, thing that I can hold on to. I got to be in my own clothes. I got to be comfortable in my own skin, wearing what I need to wear every day so I can show up and I'm not worried about other things. Um, doing what I do well, what are, gifts and talents in the moment. What might be called, you know, what am I being called to do right now? How can I serve? Jeff said, how can I serve out of the gifts and talents that are flowing? And then on behalf of things that matter, again, what, what matters to me, the core of who I am. I, I love food, but I could not trade building things that I believe are our God things for for you know chefing it up every day. I, I love an omelet, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trade building cool uh, things that God can use to to reveal Himself to the world uh, to to food. So it's it's an it's an evolving thing. I'd say to everybody out there who's feeling a lot of pressure about purpose and why am I here and I gotta know I gotta know. First of all, like 
God is is peace and he'll give you peace. And and also like the what's in your hands. You can do something right now where you're at uh with with what he's given you. So take heart. That's, That's good. a good word to finish that on. Uh it's about doing those small things and it's about being in the moment. It's about invoking God's presence to share it with other people right where you are every single day. Um so all right, switching gears. Switching gears. We are going to go to Nashville where we've got Dan and Sarah, ready to play. Dan, 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 great to have you with us. We missed you so much yesterday. You know how much I, I know. missed you. I, Mondays, they're just the one of those days for me, you know? Well, we don't have a right to have you every day. I mean, it's not just a right of ours. I mean, so we it's a gift. So we, we take it when we can get it. So I think that's great. You know, I, I, you guys were talking, and I, I have to say that as I think about purpose, in the last couple of weeks, I have actually, I've done a lot of work myself on figuring out what is my purpose? And it turns out, apparently, snacking has been something that I feel like I'm um, And I think there's a lot of people out there who would probably disagree with that or resonate. They'd say, yeah, you know what? I feel that too. I'm going to work on my book. I've got two potential titles that I was sitting here thinking about. One is uh, the purpose-driven snacking. And the, the other is or purpose-eaten life. I just don't know. So one of those is going to it's going to rise to the surface at some point. Do they come with a devotional? Possibly. It depends on <laughs> I'm your man. How many M&Ms I've got left to eat. <laughs> Too many. Anyway, you know what? It is great to be here and I'm actually going to take us up north and uh we're going to visit a, a good friend. Someone that I I don't get to see near enough in the real world, but I'm so glad to have her with us today. Uh, This is Sarah Groves. Uh, I could, I mean, I can go on. She's been making music since, professionally, really, since about 1998. Started writing songs when she was really little, about four years old, if you read some of her bio. I've gotten to know Sarah really around a lot of things, aside from music. Uh, We've toured together. We've collaborated on different music, but really it's been in the areas of justice and mercy and caring for the poor, uh, the marginalized. Sarah's done just an incredible amount of work advocating for um, people who find themselves in slavery around the world, modern day slavery. She's been an advocate for international justice mission for a long time. There are very few artists, I think, that I would say they really get. They get that idea of taking the things that they're looking at in the world a good friend of ours, Steve Garber, describes the role of a songwriter as someone who can look at the world and describe it not only as it is, but also as it could be. And uh, and Sarah's just been one of those songwriters, one of those artists that just does that so well over the years. And so, hi, Sarah. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's so good to see you. Uh, how are things going up in your neck of the woods up there? Good. I mean, this is just bizarre. And um I, uh, I have good days and I have bad days. I told you before we went on that I lost my sense of humor yesterday. It left me like it left my body. <laughs> and I had to tell my whole family I've lost my sense of humor. And uh, But I woke up this morning and felt a little better. But, you know, I, I have good days. I have hard days. But it's I'm trying to um, be present for what's really sweet about this. Yeah. Well, you know what? They, they haven't. They haven't tied in the loss of sense of humor to COVID nineteen yet. It's just there's been this, the loss of smell, I think, so far. But uh, sense of humor not yet, which I'm really grateful for because I think everybody has to have a sense of humor in this this season. 
helps. So I'm glad yours is back. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking because I want to hear you play and sing. It's been a while. And I would love to hear you play us a song. And then maybe we'll chat a little bit after that. You got something Sounds for good. us? So this is for Joel because uh, he said he liked the record um, all right here. And I haven't actually played that song in a really long time. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll just play it. Um, rework this one in the, in the Wayback Machine.
Thank you, Sarah. Awesome. Wow. I am just blown away. Thank you, Sarah. You know, that that song, if I could, Dan, that song has touched me so deeply because, Sarah, there's something about that song that says, you know, I'm bringing my whole self and that self is like kind of messed up. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not God. I'm a girl, I confess. And I don't have a sea of forgetfulness. Like I'm bringing it all here. But at the same time, it's like this turn of phrase that says, it's all right here. Like we're going to be all right. And that is such a good word for right now. And Joel, it is a, it is fun to hear you recite that line specifically because out of context, it's more interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. It is, right? I, I can't be That's true to the good, lyric. That's good, um, So, Sarah, I, one of the things that I, in my own heart, in my own head, I, I consider you to be one of those, just a quintessential songwriter. Like, you, you, you really are great at it. And I did notice that you do, you do some songwriting retreats. Uh, and so I'm going to just put you on the spot for a quick second and just see like, what are like, what's your, do you have any rules about songwriting? Like when you think about a songwriting thing, like what is, what is at the core is the thing that you want every songwriter, a person that sits down with a guitar or piano to just go, okay. Or a pen in there and piece of paper in their hand is like, what do you, at the very beginning, this is what I want you to know right away. Like, what, what do you think? I think when I'm distilling out, um, in, you know, trying to passed down what's happening. It took me a long time to even be aware of what was hap- what happens in that process. I think that telling ourselves the truth is very difficult. And I still think I am, I'm far from it, maybe. Um, actually telling myself the truth. Our hearts are right here. They're so close to us. And yet they are shrouded. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have access. I heard a thing on the radio. It said something about how is it that someone can know you for five minutes and name pretty closely some of the stuff that it will take you years of therapy to name. That's interesting to me that, so I think telling the truth is part of it. Like I think you've done this beautifully and I've loved Hmm. what you've been putting on Twitter. I think listening to these songs through the lens of what we're doing right now, it changes the whole song. And and that's listening to your, your catalog as you've been going through songs Mm-hmm. it's been really beautiful and mending because those songs take on a whole another layer of meaning, obviously um, in light of what we're all doing. Um, yeah. So telling the truth, but also you're not actually creating something from scratch. Bob Dylan said in his Chronicles and his autobiography that it's absolute arrogance to think that you are sort of generating something new that mm-hmm. we all stand on the shoulders of, you know, he obviously he was in the folk world and in folk music, the same melodies and stuff get used over and over again. But what you are doing is you are the unique mashup of, you know, my dad yeah. liked B.B. King and my mom listened to Barbara Streisand and Joni Mitchell. So I kind of have all, yeah. I'm the unique manifestation of all these influences and then my own voice. But you're more of a curator than you are just like you're not sort of like sitting there and uh, creating something from nothing. You are more assembling. So usually I have a thought in my mind. And as I move through the world, I, I look for all the things that attach themselves to that thought. Yes, of course, which is great. And I, I think, uh, definitely you should look that up. And, and if ever there was a good person to learn about songwriting from Sarah, you'd be great for that. I'm just, I'm grateful for you to be a part of the show today. Do you have another song for us? You want to play another song? I would love to. I I thought maybe this one would be a salve. Um, I was with a friend, uh, maybe maybe even fifteen years ago, 
and we were having a conversation and I went to her pantry and opened the door and there, there was like a can of beans and some, some rice in her pantry, but her pantry was bare. And I turned to make a joke, just kind of like having been shopping in a while. I mean, I didn't think anything about it. And I turned to kind of make a comment and her face was just white. And I had found out her secret that they were food insecure. Hmm. And, um, She's college educated. Her husband works really hard, but life had just hit them. And I think in the days ahead, we're going to have to get comfortable with telling each other about our needs. Um, with the passing of Bill Withers, I think about that first line and lean on me. If there's something you need to borrow, please swallow your pride and come to me and ask. And I think we're going to need a lot of that kind of practice. Um, so years later, I'm talking to the same friend and I see that even though now she's moved into a a, a season of plenty and, and um, provision. She is scarred by that time quite a bit. It just leaves her very afraid. And so I wrote this song to her to just say, we're going to be okay. God said there would be honey in the rock. There would be sweetness in hard places. And um, really, we don't need much, do we? And I think we've all got that, you know, I've got a bin of like extra food in my basement right now. Yeah. Um, but I want to, um, you know, be be prepared, not be afraid, and have that heart of peace, be able to rest even though um, things are different, and then know when to reach out and be that honey myself to someone else and be a part of that. So, yeah. this is enough.
beautiful. That beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, well done, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I, I do not want to leave before you just get a chance to to say where you are. You guys are up in at the art house up there, right? You guys help curate and work with artists up there. And uh, it's just an amazing place. It's an amazing thing that you're, you're part of, just uh, supporting the artist community, giving them good things to observe, to be mindful of, and uh, to create around. So um, I'd love to give you just a second to talk about that what that work looks like in this season. Yeah, it's we're under the umbrella of what Charlie started in Nashville with Art House, um, Art House in Nashville. Um, but we look very different because St. Paul is a very different town. Minneapolis is a different yeah. town than Nashville and then Dallas, the other art house. But we all share a motto, creative community for the common good. And um, so we're very neighborhood based. A lot of what we do is coming from artists in our neighborhood. And um, we have a lot of plays and music and stuff like that. But creative community for the common good is our heartbeat. And it's been, it's not easy, but the yoke is light. And we have an incredible, yeah, beautiful thing happening here. For those that are not familiar with uh, uh, the Charlie reference there, that's uh, the great Charlie Peacock and his wife, uh, Andy Ashworth, who first launched Arts House in uh, Nashville. And as uh, Sarah mentions, it's it's got multiple locations around the country now, and you're anchoring the Minneapolis-St. Paul version of it for us all. Thanks so much. Yeah. Wonderful. John, back to you. Great to have you, Sarah. We are so grateful to you, Sarah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, everybody in the show, Marissa and Calvin and Jeff and Joel and Dan and Sarah and Josh for reminding everybody that there's uh, enough out there for you. Till tomorrow, everybody, God bless you. Keep fighting the good fight. Thanks very much. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast Network.